Let's pray. Lord our God, as we come now to open Your Word, to read it, to hear it proclaimed, we ask that Your Holy Spirit would come and help us to understand this morning. Oh God, may we take our eyes off of this world and put it upon that which is awaiting us, our heavenly dwelling. We ask, O God, that You would bless the reading hearing and preaching of your word for the sake of Jesus as we pray in his name. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please do so and take your copies of God's word and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Corinthians 5, we'll begin at verse 1 and we'll read verse 10. Hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last Sunday morning we finished up with 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and Paul told us that we have a treasure. And that treasure is is the gospel. And and yet the treasure is in jars of clay. We are jars of clay. He reminded us also of of the resurrection that would come, that we would be raised because of the resurrection of Christ. We will be raised also with Jesus. And he closed out 2 Corinthians 4 by contrasting for us the outward and the inward. The outward, every day is dying. Every day you're dying. You realize that, right? No matter how young you are this morning, every day you are dying. But while the outward is decaying, while the outward is dying, the inward is being renewed day by day. 
And the afflictions that we have in this world, they will pale in comparison, Paul told us, to that eternal weight of glory, which is beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. And so Paul continues on as we enter into a new chapter, but he is still, in a way, discussing what we looked at last week, those jars of clay. He tells us here this morning that we have a home, and this home is not here. This home is is with the Lord Jesus Christ. And, And he reminds us of this, and as he brings to a climax this discussion on the believer's home with the Lord. And these verses should be, and I believe are all very familiar to us this morning. Maybe we have read them ourselves when a loved one who has died in Christ has passed away. I know we have heard them read at funerals of of believers. And, And these verses are a comfort to us as we grieve, and they are a comfort because we are reminded that there's a greater home for God's people. Now, again, this only applies to God's people. Paul wants us believers to understand that there's a, a greater home for us in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are also reminded here this morning that. When a believer dies in the Lord, they immediately go to be with Jesus. Their spirit goes to be with Christ, which is far better, isn't it? Now again, we are all going to die as long as the Lord tarries. There's nothing we can do about that. As long as He tarries in the second coming, we will all face the grave. We will all die. But you see, Paul is helping us to be ready for that day and to be ready when our loved ones die in the Lord because he takes our eyes off of this world and he reminds us of the world that is to come, which is far better than this one, right? Oh, how we long for the coming of Christ. And so there are two things we, we see in our text. Uh, this text divides up quite nicely in, in two ways. First of all, we, we hear Paul tell us of, of that home in heaven in verses 1 through 5 for believers. Now I stress that. Because for unbelievers, they also have a home, but it's not heaven. It is a home that will be torment. It is a home that will be nothing but fire and judgment, and that is hell. What we have before us this morning is that home that awaits those who have faith. In Christ, Paul says in verse 1, For we, we know, we have a certain knowledge. Now in light of what we read last week in the preceding verses that speak of the outward and the inward person and of looking at that which is unseen, Paul reminds his readers of the former teachings on the resurrection. For we know these things. We know that we'll be raised from the dead. We know that even though our bodies are dying The inward man is being renewed day by day. And he says, we also know this. That if the earthly tent, or that the tent, that if the tent that is an earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. 
Now, Paul first uses the imagery of a tent. Why is that? Well, how did the people of the Old Testament live? Did they build houses? No, we just saw a few weeks ago on Sunday evenings in 2 Samuel, David built a house as a king. But the Old Testament saints, how did they live? They lived in a tent. They were wanderers. They were sojourners. They were going to that home, which was Israel. But, but they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their, their sin. They didn't have a nice home to go to. When God told them to move, they would move. They'd pick up the tent and they would move wherever God would take them next. And so Paul, I believe, uses this imagery to remind us we are like the Old Testament saints. We are sojourners in this world. Heading to our home. Heading to that eternal home that awaits us. And so he says, if the tent, that is our earthly home, is destroyed, and it will be destroyed by death, then we have a building from God. I think when we hear those words, our, our minds go to what Jesus says, that in, 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 in His house or many rooms, many mansions, He's preparing for us as He spoke with the disciples. And so there, there is a building that is not made with hands. It is eternal in the heavens, Paul tells us. And so Paul here is saying, okay, our bodies, they're going to die. They're going to be destroyed in a sense until the day of resurrection. But don't worry, you have a home. And that home is with Christ. That home is being built by Jesus Himself. Now we should think of this heavenly house, this heavenly home as a, a place that supplies a, a covering in the form of divine glory, a glory of immeasurable worth, Paul said last week in, in the previous chapter. As we enter into God's presence, we, we will be clothed with glory. We will eagerly await the redemption of our bodies, namely the resurrection of our bodies. So Paul here, he, he reminds us of that home that awakes and he's going to show us a little bit later the intermediate state. And so what is he talking about? Well, again, when we die, our spirit goes to be with Jesus. That's the intermediate state. Our bodies are placed in a grave. They decay. They're eaten by worms and other critters down there under the ground. And, and then on the day of resurrection when Christ comes, those same bodies will be raised and joined back with our spirit and they will be glorified Forever with Jesus. So Paul continues in verse 2, For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Now usually when do we groan? Well, when we are sick or hurting, right? We groan, we are in discomfort, we, we are in pain. But here the, the dark clouds of earthly life uh, appear with uh, a, 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 just a glimpse of, of hope and eager expectation because Paul tells us that while we groan, we, we long to be clothed. And this is the basis of our groaning. Now, Paul speaks elsewhere in Romans of even creation doing this. Creation groaning for the second coming of Christ. 
He goes on in verse 3, and he says, If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. Now here, I think Paul is shuddering at the thought of death, for in his mind, his soul would be without a covering. And he would be found naked. This thought seems repugnant to Paul because soul and body are going together. You see, we, we were not created to die, were we? You often hear me say that at funerals because it's the truth. We're not, we were not created to die. What brought death in the world? Our, the, our first parents falling into sin, bringing us into that state of sin and misery and death. And so when body and soul are separated, it's not, it's not normal. That's what Paul is getting at. The separation of body and soul at death is a result of sin. It is a result of, of, of sin. But this separation will end. He goes on in verse 4. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we will be unclothed, but that we will be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. We are burdened because we want clothes. In a sense, we have those clothes, don't we? It, it is the righteousness of Jesus. We have been clothed with that righteousness. When Jesus, and when God looks at us this morning, yes, He knows everything that we've done this week. He knows everything we've done this morning. He knows our thoughts, our words that we spoke where no one else heard them, what we have done. But yet He sees us if we are in Christ clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And one day that will be visible to, for all to see when the mortal is swallowed up by life. Now, again, this takes us back to 1 Corinthians 15. What did Paul say there? There, this, the, the mortal must put on immortality. And death will be swallowed up in victory. And we'll say, oh, death, where is your sting? Paul here tells us that the mortal will be swallowed up and it will be swallowed up by life. And in verse 5, He who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. You see, it's God who has saved us. It is God who has redeemed us. It is God who has given us His Spirit. It is God who has clothed us clothe us with the righteousness of Jesus, it is God that will bring these things to pass. And we know for certain, Paul says, because of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're a Christian this morning, you have the Holy Spirit, don't you? In full. You're not awaiting a second baptism of the Spirit. The moment you believe, the moment God saved you, the Holy Spirit came and took residence in you. And he is the guarantee of what Paul is saying here, that we have a home that is much greater than this world, and God has given us his spirit to, to tell us and to guarantee that home for us. As Simon Kistemacher states, although both death and grave insatiably devour mortal Humanity, they will ultimately surrender to the power of Christ's eternal life that swallows up mortality. At death, our, our physical body descends into the grave because the body cannot be held in bondage. It will come forth renewed and glorified 
through Christ at His coming. He triumphs over the power of death and the grave. And He's given us His Spirit as that guarantee that we will triumph over the power of death and the grave. And then second of all, we are reminded that when we are away from the body, we are, we are at home with the Lord. Now again, it's hard when someone dies. We've all faced that. It's hard when a loved one dies. But if they die in Christ, we have hope. And this is the hope we have, isn't it? Now if they do not die in Christ, there is no hope for them. You know, there are many ministers and preachers, they will preach someone into heaven knowing full well they had no faith in Jesus. I hope I will never do that. I'll preach the gospel. I'll call men to faith and repentance, but I'm not going to preach you into heaven if you have no faith. And so Paul wants to remind us that when we are away from these bodies, we are at home. Look at verse 6. So we are always of good courage, Paul says. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are always of good courage. Why? Because of God's pledge to us by His Holy Spirit. And while these bodies are living, while we are breathing, we are at home in these bodies, but we are not with Jesus. And Christian, that's where you should long to be. Now there are many good things in this life, isn't there? We have good lives in this world. Even someone who has a difficult life is good in many respects if they are a believer in Christ. But again, the good things of this life, they're going to pale in comparison to what awaits us in the next. At home in the body simply means we have not died yet. Therefore, we are away from Jesus. And so the conclusion is this, that when we die, we will go and we will be with Jesus. In verse 7, he says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Again, Paul is reminding us as a Christian, it's not the things we see, but what we do not see. The Old Testament saints, did they walk by sight? No. They walked by faith. They looked for that city that was to come. They looked for the Messiah who was to come, but they never saw Him in the flesh. They never saw the city with earthly eyes, but they have seen it now with spiritual eyes. And so we are to walk as they walked. We are to daily walk by faith with complete trust in Jesus. Now again, why is that? Because what we observe in this world is passing away. These things that we see in this world, one day they will be gone. But the internal quality of faith is active and abiding. And we will never lose that. And so he goes on in verse 8. Yet, yes, we are a good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Again, he says we are confident. We, we are of good courage and, and we desire to be with Jesus. That is, should be the desire of every Christian here this morning. To be with Jesus. To be in the presence of of our Lord. And sometimes we Christians, we will say, well, I don't want to be there quite yet, right? 
want to do this. I want to do that. I want to see this. I want to see that. Well, that, that is not looking with eyes of faith. That's looking with eyes that are too focused upon this world. Christian, you have a home. It is with Jesus. We should desire to be there. And we are not to be so connected with life on this earth that we lose sight of the life that awaits us in heaven. Because that is our home. And he goes on in verse 9, so whether we are home or away, we make it our aim to please God, to please Him. To please Jesus. You know, that takes us back to that first question of the Shorter Catechism. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You can hear that in Paul's writing here in, in verse 9, can you not? So whether we are here or with Christ, we have one aim, that is to please Jesus in all that we do. Whether we are here in the body, we are to please Jesus. If we are there in the Spirit, we are to please Jesus. That is our focus. That is our aim. That is our chief end. And as our catechism tells us, if we do that in this life, we will enjoy Jesus forever in the next. But then he ends and reminds us that that day of Christ's coming is also a day of judgment. Now, we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, Paul tells us. So each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We will all appear before that judgment seat. Each man will receive what is due for what he has done in the body, Paul says. Now, we hear that in... It strikes us with fear, and it should. The judgment of God is, is not a, 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 an easy or good thing, is it? It's, it's hard. It's difficult. God is holy and righteous, and, and it strikes us in fear. Well, you see, our evil, our wickedness, though, is covered by the blood of Jesus. And so we will have a mediator there. Our mediator is our Lord. Our mediator is our redeemer. He is the one who perfectly lived in our behalf and, and was the perfect sacrifice on the cross so that all of our sins are covered by his blood. And so we will be able to stand in Christ on that day. But as believers, our good works will be received by the Lord as those good works were done in faith. If we, if we do not do good works in faith, they are not received by God. Again, there are millions of people this morning who are trying to please God by what they do, but they have no faith in Jesus. And they will never be able to give God what they give to God what He requires, which is perfect obedience. That's why we look to Jesus who has done it for us. And so when we do good works in the name and in the faith of Christ, then they are received by God. But if we have no faith, they are not received by God. But what we know is this, the one who has no faith will receive what is due to him. And that is judgment. That is the judgment of God upon such a person forever. At one time in this world, there were more people who believed in hell than probably today. 
even unbelievers for many centuries believed in hell and a God who was just and a God who would, would put a person in hell if they had no true saving faith in Jesus Christ. But today, many are, are blind and they, they believe in nothing. It's safe to say there were those like that in Corinth. There were those like that just living for the day, living for the moment, not concerned with tomorrow, not concerned with eternity. And I think if you get nothing else from this passage, then get this, you should be concerned for eternity. And your eternity. And so what application can we make? Well, first, we know that this life is not the end. And for believers in Christ, there's a greater life, a better home that awaits God's people. And so what are we to do? We are to set our minds on the things above. And as we do that, then what will we do here? Well, we will tell others of the danger they are in. We will tell others of the danger that without Christ, you have no hope of heaven. You have no hope of, of redemption. You have no hope of forgiveness of sin. And you, have, you will be placed in hell forever. And there is no hope in that, is there? He says, as long as the Lord tarries, we, we will die physically. But if we die in Christ, our spirits will go and live with Jesus. And Christian, that should be where you want to be. Even though you may have a great life here. And many of us do, if we're honest. There's a greater life that awaits us. And that is to be in the presence of our Lord. That day is coming when the mortal will be swallowed up by life. When those bodies that have been placed in the grave, they'll be raised. And those who have died in faith will be raised to everlasting life, body and spirit joined back together. Not just for a season, not just for 70 or 80 years, but for an eternity. With Jesus in our glorified body, serving Him, worshiping Him, praising Him. But only for those who have faith. The second, God has promised us this will take place. And He has given us as His people, His Holy Spirit as our guarantee. Again, if you have the Holy Spirit this morning living within you, pointing out when you're wrong, leading you into all truth, that you are a true believer in Christ by the grace of God. You've been born again by the Holy Spirit. And that day awaits you when you will be welcomed into glory. Third, understand that when we die, we die in the Lord, to be absent from the body is to be present with Jesus. Again, the Spirit goes on living after death, doesn't it? The Spirit goes to be with Christ. Again, a far better place to be while our bodies are placed in the grave. And again, we await that day, that last day of Christ's coming, that, that last day. And it's just one day. We're not going to be raptured out secretly when nobody knows. Christ is going to come in His glory. Every eye will see Him, even they who pierced Him. And, and, and there will be no denying the coming of Jesus. And those who have died in Christ will be called forth just like Lazarus 
was called forth. Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth. And we will be called forth in our body and soul united together again in a glorified state. Never to sin again. Never to die again. Never to suffer disease again. And to be forever with Jesus. And then finally, the day of Christ's coming will be a day of judgment. And so are you ready? Are you ready for that day when Christ will come? Because for the unbeliever who does not have faith in Jesus, who does not love Jesus nor love His church, who does not love the body of Christ, who does not worship the one true God, there is no hope for you. Because you can't do it. You cannot give to God what He requires. Perfection. In thought, in word, and in deed. But sinner, there is one who has done it for you, and that is Jesus. And what are you to do? You're to come to Him in faith. You're to come turning from your sins. Stop trusting in yourself. Yourself only gets you into trouble. And trust in Jesus. You see, that's the only way that when we stand before the judgment seat of God and of Christ, that we'll be able to stand because Jesus will be standing with us. Not because we got it all right. Not because we did something great. No, but because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. That is the only way we are able to be able to stand in that day because our mediator, our Lord, our Savior is standing with us even now today in the presence of His Father. And so on that day of His coming, will it be a day of judgment for you or will it be a day of salvation? So all of life comes down to that question, doesn't it? All of life comes down to whether or not we have faith in Christ. And if you do, then thank God for it this morning because you didn't do it. He did. Faith is a gift from God. It's not something we do. Faith goes against who we are naturally. No, God has to change us. God has to give us a new heart. And then God calls us to His Son and He says, believe in my Son in whom I am well pleased. And He enables us to do that and we believe and we are saved. And we are saved forever. But if we never come to Christ, if we never put our faith in Him, then, then we are still under our sin. We're still under the wrath of God. And the only one that can take that wrath from us is Jesus. And so I would implore you, implore, implore you this morning to come to Christ. To, to give up trying to save yourself. To give up thinking you're good enough because you're not. You're a despicable person apart from Jesus. And those aren't my words. Those are God's words. Understand your sin. See your sin. And then see that Jesus is the only answer to that sin. And fall at His feet and say, Lord Jesus, save me, a sinner.
And if you do that in faith, as you turn from your sin, you'll be saved. And you will know as the Holy Spirit is given to you that you have a heavenly dwelling with Jesus. That is far better than anything this world has to offer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word and being reminded that there is a land of pure delight and it is with Jesus. Father, I pray for any here at this moment who are away from Christ. They are apart from Christ. They have no faith. Oh Lord, save them and redeem them. Bring them to faith in Jesus. Do that which they can't do. Father, bless the, the reading, hearing, and preaching of your word. Bring your elect to salvation in Jesus. Further sanctify those whom you have already saved and redeemed. And Father, may, may we not look by earthly sight, but by faith. And long for that celestial city. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.